Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. I have posted in here because I I did not remember I cannot remember the MLB uh, playoff format. Right. I mean, I assume we're not breaking a ton of new news to people right now, but you know, the one game playoffs are gone. Three game playoffs are in, which does have some fantasy implications if you're still playing this week because pitching lineups are shifted around if you have a playoff team, obviously. Um I will say that I dumped a bunch of guys in TGFBI who are like, "Nope, oh, they're not starting again." I'm um, just trying to squeeze out the last couple points. Yeah, I'm done. I've gone the wrong direction. You'll, yep. We'll get there in a second. But are you? So we're happy with the playoff change, right? I'm happy with the playoff change. Are you? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see it after this year. Um, but I think I think it should be fine. I don't like that the two best teams are now not playing for almost a week. But baseball is so finicky. You know, I don't know if that's. It's hard to say if that's good or bad for those teams. I I know. I I I don't know. We don't know if it's good or bad. I actually have come around to the idea that I enjoy the some of the randomness in baseball. <laughs> so Seattle has clinched, Tampa has clinched, Toronto has clinched. Ale's done. Yeah. And how does this, how does this work? So Toronto plays Cleveland. Oh well, whoever went, I guess technically they haven't clinched that there is. Playing. So everyone's clinched their playoff spots, but the seeding needs to i think the i think it's it's really down to like this that now the astros series is for nl oh whoa, whoa, whoa. toronto would play seattle as of right now because toronto the tampa bay is the team that eked into the playoffs they're gonna play the the, t- the last team plays the what <laughs> <laughs> i i don't love i mean i don't love that a division win well no actually i do i do i mean i'm okay with the fact that a division winner has to play a wild card team because as we've discussed off and on all the time over the season, the <laughs> the uh, the divisions are not created equal, <laughs> and and the fact that the fact that the the AL East has four teams that really could have gone to the playoffs this year, uh, plus the Red Sox, and then the Central has like, I guess we're gonna send Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess we're gonna send Cleveland. Yeah, that's nicely said. Um, are we gonna get this Braves pick right? The Braves were gonna pass the Mets. They, I have. It's looking second. pretty it's good, right? It's looking, it's looking pretty good. For a moment, I doubted myself, but it's, yeah, it's looking close. I mean, I, I am happy. I am happy for the Mets that they're in there because it gives me hope for the Twins. The Twins have been in, in the, the playoffs in, in the last three years. What do you? No, I just, I just like seeing historically inept teams, uh, you know, do something. I mean, I guess I really should be pulling for the Mariners, who have the who are, have broken the longest postseason drought. Yeah, and I am pulling for the Mariners. I'm super happy about that. Yeah, I, I like that they're in. Julio, good for them. Good for them. Julio, this wow. Uh, talk about a talk about a first season. All right, let's get into some fantasy check-ins here. Last time that we're going to do this, I think. Well, I guess we'll check in on TGFBI at the end of the full end of the season. But fantasy leaders, Aaron Judge, 18 weeks. Okay, I mean. 
just just amazing stuff from him i guess so on the record does he break the home run the al home run record the only one we acknowledge yeah yes <laughs> okay i think so too um pitching justin verlander nine weeks great good for him it's nice to see you know big big resurgent um big resurgent season we're gonna have to talk at some point about what this means for him next year we've already talked about what it means for aaron judge i mean aaron judge is going to be a first round pick forever at this point for the next five years but yeah justin verlander isn't gonna get a year and a half off again yeah i don't know what you do so we should um so we'll have to we'll have to discuss that at some point but but good for him taking it to the taking it to the end tgfbi uh miraculously i have continued to climb i'm at 267 now up from 283 i'm going to squeeze out a couple extra points by you know try and squeeze out a couple extra points i should say by dropping um anyone who wasn't starting and just going just trying to get more uh trying to get more k's in there you sadly other direction 293 how the mighty have fallen 323 this week what's going on i uh, just you know my my pitching has gotten to the point where it's there just aren't point. We're in the point in the distribution where the pitching is doing well. It's not actually getting any points for me, and the hitting yep, has yep. Fall, just collapsed. Uh-huh. Has just collapsed. People aren't playing, and it's like I have a bunch of players that I just keep on s- cycling, and they just aren't getting at bats. I'm getting guys with like eight at bats, and then it's like Aldemir Diaz, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I've spent time with Aledmus Diaz before, and it's not. It's not turned out. I mean, ever since I, you know, allowed my team to become completely untethered to reality and I just stopped, you know, trying to uh, trying to find blue chip players, just trying to juice every orange. That's been I my mean, problem is that I've been ju- pivoting yeah. and I pivot around and I like miss the actual weeks that players are actually doing well. Uh, that's that's hard. I mean, I, I, I juice oranges and then I hold on to them for too long and it seems to have miraculously paid off. I will be happy. I mean, I'm I'm happy. I I think it's highly unlikely that I drop below 300, which is basically where I wanted to be. Um, when we do the post post mortems, it'll be really interesting to see um, what happened here. I'm particularly interested to rank myself against all the other guys who picked Tatis, um, who picked Tatis in the first mm-hmm. round. I'm curious to see. Okay, look, we're all playing a totally different game <laughs> because we when you don't you got zero games from your first round pick. <laughs> so yeah, it's that's really uh, tough. This is so the let's whole see thing. What, you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can't definitely lose it. Yeah, and I definitively lost it in the first round. And I mean, it's not like it's not like you've been getting amazing production from your early picks either. So, no, 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 no. So there we go. That's where we're at. We'll um, at some point in the next few weeks, we'll put together um, a TGFBI deep dive and just sort of see where we were at. I think we're both excited for next year too, right? Signups sure. haven't gone out or anything. No, but we think plenty of time before that. Super fun format. We need to keep being in this. Well, let's do a bonus uh, Stats 101 lesson. This is actually formally sort of an extension of what we talked about last week. So let's call it Lesson 5.1, I think. So last week was 5.0. You know, we like we like major, major and minor revisions in things. So this is a minor, minor version number. Uh, more on artificial neural networks. And, and it's going to blow it up a little bit more to just to, towards neural networks. Um, and... I wasn't so sold on this, but but Eric convinced me that um, it felt like we had promised some tests last week. Uh, well, an application. I was perfectly fine. Yeah, an application. I was perfectly fine leaving everyone to themselves with no application. But, you know, here, here we are. Yeah, Whatever. Try to dust off some well, work. You, I mean, it was nice because you threw it right back in my face, right? You said, come on, you did this three years ago, so pff, no problem. Which, 
<laughs> ah, was very not true, but all right. <laughs> so, well, I think, yeah, uh, we're going to get into some of the problems about re- repeatability. Repeatability is great until you hit the actual repeating it. This was this was a completely unexpected non-repeatability. So, three years ago, Eric pointed out that I'd put together an artificial neural net to tackle my what is officially my fantasy baseball white whale predicting pitchers win totals i mean this is i'm going to be working on this for this is like a career level thing right like oh man this is but this i mean like this is you trying to um this is like you trying to do to make horoscopes with like real astronomy (laughs) yeah exactly i you know i got i got really disappointed actually thinking about this this whole question this week because like why am i trying to forecast total wins like i really need to be forecasting on a daily basis against particular teams and then trying to sum those up at the end but i basically just had a crisis of like is this even a good question like should i be doing this like get trying to get the total number of wins like what am i doing and well uh, as and like, is this a meaningful number like, is it any you know, better than what we've done and is it any better than Sure, I think that it's a great question to try to answer. Can we do a better do it better with artificial neural nets than we can with all the methods that we've put together so far? Is it actually something that's actually? Are we going to go to like the Cubs and say like, "Hey, here we go. Here's the algorithm that we put together"? No, no. I, well, I, I don't know yet. I mean, let me remind you that the old version of the wins model is a polynomial fit <laughs> to just two random variables that I picked. It uses very little information. I mean, all it uses is the number of earned runs given up over innings pitched and makes a makes a polynomial fit. I think there's more information there. I mean, we talked about this off and on in, in previous weeks. Was in our, mean sta- our mean standard error was, what, 10 wins? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think, you know, it, it was funny because when you, when, when you looked at our predictions versus the actual values and the uncertainty bands that we placed on it. We looked great, but the answer was because, as you pointed out, the uncertainty bands were enormous. They encompassed, you know, everything from zero to 20 wins, and obviously everyone's going to be in that. point, yeah. So just say everybody's going to get 10 and that we have an error of nine, and then we're going to hit. Then we're done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, and we we just call call it a day. Good prediction. (laughs) So I think we can do slightly better than that. Um, All right, so... I had this model three years ago, though, that that looked at um, artificial neural nets for this, and at the time, I had concluded that it wasn't wasn't super useful. Um, it was a fun fun little exercise, so I just decided, let's see what can happen. Uh, I booted up my old code, and nothing worked. Obviously, <laughs> it completely broke. Um, I and the reason is weird because I had upgraded my computer earlier this year. And the old framework that we were using was TensorFlow, which is Google's um, Google's machine learning, specifically. And they famously do not support Mac OS <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, and they just don't play well together. And they haven't released TensorFlow for M1s. And so after spending, you know, an hour banging my head against like this won't even install what's going on and going to increasingly sketchy websites that were like, (laughs) you know, just run all of these commands. Don't worry about it. Like, don't think about what they're doing. Eventually TensorFlow will work. If they ask for your social security number, just give it to them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically I was like, ah, you know what? I don't need to use this badly enough. I I don't need to use TensorFlow badly enough. There are other frameworks out there. So I was a a bit bummed. Why does the M1, why does your chip matter? uh, Because it's a completely different architecture now. Because they're not Intel. 
so the way yeah they basically apple is it's it's like it's like apple hard-coded a bunch of things in the in the processor now and so and by they gained a bunch of speed by hard coding things but what you lost is all the flexibility you know just like any hard coding project you lost all this flexibility so they would have to hard code new things into tensorflow and google said basically no we're not going to support you know your proprietary architecture i think that's what they always have been though i think it's always the way they've been because remember there was always like the if if you compared a pc speed to like a mac speed it would be like wouldn't even be like kilometers an hour into miles per hour. It'd be like, wow, that looks really, that Mac looks really slow. It's like, it's not actually slow. It's because it's just, the threshold is much lower. Yeah, they, I, so, but they used to at least use Intel chips so you could make things, you could always make other things work on it because everyone was supporting Intel chips, but now it's not. M1 Motorola. Not what? No, it's Apple. <laughs> they just call it M1. It's their own. They make their, it's, it's, own. yeah, it's their own. Did, didn't there used to be Motorola chips at one point in time? I don't know. Did it? I don't know. Now you got me very interested. Continue. I, w- I would have been more bummed about this, except I knew that I'd been putting off learning this other major machine learning framework for basically the three years <laughs> since since setting up TensorFlow, and it's called PyTorch. Um, and it seemed like there was no time like the present to go for this. Mm-hmm. So let me just give you the top line thing here. Uh before we go any further, here's the result. I have a 15% accurate neural net. I can now predict wins with a 15% accuracy. Wow, that's not that's not that high. That's not that high. There is good news at the end of this, and I will I will share that later. But the the top line result is, you know, you put together I put together this framework. I hit enter. You know, I you know, made a bunch of choices along the way that I'll talk about in a minute. And 15% of the time, I got the wins total correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so that sounds terrible. But again, let me just remind you that it started from absolutely nothing, and we actually have a workable piece of software now. And this is sort of where we get into with talking about machine learning and statistics and in general, and the interface between machine learning and statistics, and how uh, this sort of rapidly turns into a black box. Yeah, that's yeah. as discussed last week, all of these turn into a black box really, really fast. Yeah. And the first thing that I'll say is that I probably shouldn't have started on the hardest in the the most stochastic sense problem that we have. You should start on a case. You think so? I was I was going to ask you if we were if we were to go if we we're to work on a pedagogical artificial neural net that we might have some hope of understanding. What should we start on? You think case? Oh, actually, you know the the probably the most logical one is um, plate appearances. If we could solve for plate appearances uh, outside of uh, in a vacuum, outside of any any assumptions on um, injuries, and then if we could apply a priori injury bake in, so it's, so actually that's I mean that's a great example because um, because one of the problems or one of the features rather of neural nets is that you can encode all sorts of different data. Uh, so one of the, the I was going to say I was going to phrase it as a problem for traditional t- statistics where. We can't encode things like what team are they on, or not straightforwardly. But with a neural net, you can. There are ways to encode the the team that they're on, or the ballpark that they're playing in, or something about their schedule. Like we can take these more, um, yeah, exactly. These more ill-defined things that aren't don't map directly to a number, and let the neural net activate however they want. I. Think plate appearances and, and innings pitched might be good things to tackle. So I'm gonna 
I'm going to think about that. I'm not going to do it for next week just to temper your expectations right now. But <laughs> in the future, um, I think that's a good idea. Then we'll have this caveat when we do it. We'll have this like caveat as long as they don't hit the IL. I've, well, that's, I mean, that's a caveat for everything. And as long as they're not using PEDs, how about that too? Uh, okay. Well, listeners, we, we're not going to make that caveat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So let me just talk through some of the relevant pieces here and what it means to put these models together. Just to try and, I mean, the point of the Stats 101 is to demystify things. So let's try and demystify a little bit of what actually went into this wins, this 15% accurate wins model. I use the samples that we put together for PCA. So if you go back to episodes uh, 6.26, you'll hear me talk about uh, PCA. And at this point, the this things that I'm the ingredients that I'm throwing into the blender are the home runs, earned runs, uh, walks, and Ks for a pitcher. This is almost certainly not enough, and it's kind of me underutilizing the computational capability of neural nets. But we're making it, we're making some progress, and then the uh, the thing that we're trying to predict is the total number of wins, which is now considered to be a, a label. So it's, oh, okay. it was the total number of wins. And then I have 25 different categories, <laughs> more, more quotes here, one for each win value. So essentially you're trying to put every pitcher into a bin or a category based on their wins total. And I'm doing this all for the present season statistics. Which is totally fair because we're basically done with the season at this yeah. point. Yeah, a lot of training the first data. Time, this is, yeah, the first time that I'm going to say this, uh, and not the last time doing this pod. Uh, this feels sloppy. <laughs> I don't have, you know, it's like okay, we're just going to kind of go with this. And I, this is the the general feeling that I get about neural nets all the time is like this feels sloppy. It's why it's machine learning and it's not statistics. <sighs> exactly, but but it uses so many statistical things as you you know as you laid out last week. The next step, the next phase here is to design the architecture of the neural net. And you talked about this a little bit. I chose just a, th- a three simple three-layer model. I mean, you can Google like basic architectural neural net <laughs> or something and people will give you stuff. And so we've got two connected layers, fully connected layers, and one output layer. The only things that are specified are that, you know, four in- the only things that you have to do are the number of input features, which for us was home runs, earned runs, walks, and Ks. And then the number of output features, which is... I set to be 25, which was the number of distinct classes, so 0 to 25 wins. Okay. And then you just pick some arbitrary number of features to go in between, as you talked about with the hidden layers last week. Um, so, I mean, these, these are all tuning parameters, and this is why it feels sloppy, because it's like, I don't know, I'm going to pick 64 and 32. Big fan of powers of 2. <laughs> this is where it becomes real, when you try to per- when you try to actually tune these models... But tuning yep. is a ton of work. You know, we yep. complain about input data being a lot of work. Well, tuning models is also a ton of work. Yeah, and I basically tried some random values. <laughs> um, you know, so I said 15% is my benchmark before. I got 1% accurate, you know, the first time around, which is which is literally worse than randomly guessing <laughs> what people will get. Uh, or just guessing zero for everybody. You know, I would have been more accurate that way. So... That's a little disappointing. Wait, how did how your wins model that you have how how accurate is it? Which wins model? The the real the wins old model? one that you had. Yeah, not this A and N one. Uh, the old one. So using this metric, which will which I'll reclassify in a little bit, it was ten percent. Oh, okay. So okay, thanks. Sorry to get sorry to go bottom line up front. No, 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 no. It's it's all good. 
Uh, and th then you have to pick an activation function. I mean, uh, this is this is in the weeds, like, and the 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 success criteria for training also super in the weeds. But again, I'm just going to throw these things at you. So it's uh, rectified linear units for the activation function, which basically just means that it's net it's zero when the net, when the value is negative and positive when the value is positive and increasing with proportionality. Uh, we have to choose some criteria for success. We're using cross entropy loss. Again, these are all things that you can Google. It's going to be way, way worse if I try to explain them sure. to you and you listen to me. Um, and then you use an optimization algorithm, which is basically trying to find how you're going to try and find the, the success criteria in this hyperspace that we're searching. We're using Atom. We're setting a standard learning rate of 0.01. Again, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times I can say this. This all feels sloppy. And, this, and you accurately pointed out that it's not sloppy. It's it's tuning these parameters, but it doesn't help me feel like it's not sloppy. Yeah, when you, when you have to have an iter iterative approach, it, it makes it feel sloppy. Because the first thing is a mess. It's always a mess. Yeah. So I I don't know what to do about it. I think, um, and I just threw you know a ton of word salad at you, <laughs> like, uh. Hopefully, hopefully, some people get something out of this. I mean, each one of these is a uh, has been somebody's PhD project at some point. Right? No, that's the bigger thing, and that's why I was saying tuning is because you need to we need to iterate on this a lot to be able to go from fifteen. But then, I think your your point was like, what is the ceiling for this? What is the ceiling accuracy percentage for for this? Like, how accurate can you predict? Yeah, so let me, so now that I've, you know, I, I will publicize this code somewhere. Um, I'm not going to make a repository yet because this is extremely pilot work. But we'll give you, we'll give, we'll give people a look at this, probably a, a gist or something. I will say, so I said it was 15% accurate, um, but that's because I was defining success as having exactly the correct wins total, which is not even really what you and I are going for in this. So if you loosen the success rate to being within two wins, we're 70 plus percent accurate. Oh, that's a lot better. So so 70% of the time we can define it within two wins. Part of the problem with neural nets is that we don't we don't actually get this uncertainty band. So I'm sort of manually setting, you know, going in and, and tinkering like okay. our success rate is within two wins. Our success rate is within four wins and looking at that. So when we try and go back and invert the problem and say here's the number of wins we're predicting, and here's our uncertainty, it's going to require a little bit more work in the neural net. But getting within two wins 70% of the time, I'm actually pretty happy that's with that. Bad. I mean, that's yeah. way better than the old Yeah, because we can way better than the We old can model. put together, like, what are the bands that you want to hit in wins? It's like, here's the, yeah, where, where would the bands be? There's the, like the zero to four, who gives a shit, you know? Here's the <laughs> yeah, here's exactly. the five to nine. Like okay, well these are bad starters or getting extra as relievers. And this is all pitchers or just starting pitchers. This is all pitchers. Nice. So right, that's that's pretty helpful. Um, yeah, no, that's actually that's a I like that. I I feel pretty good about that. I mean, there's still a lot of tuning in the sense that I think we could do. I think we can do even better. You asked about the ceiling. I I haven't you know, in my random walk through parameter space, I haven't been able to crack 80% yet on the two wins, like defined within two wins. But I like your idea of tiers. I think that's probably more accurate for us and probably more actionable fantasy new fantasy information anyway. 
right? Because you're trying to build a team. You want you you have some vision of how many wins you want to get to over the course of the full season. This again gets back to my baseball book where it was like, you know, they talked about 20, 20 win pitchers. Well, you know what? 19 wins sometimes is 20 wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good, well said. But 22 wins is also a 20 win pitcher. So right. once, you, once you start thinking about that, you're like, okay, all right, I got, you know, because a 15 win pitcher is really like conceptually someone that's won like 14 to 17. Okay, where is, yeah, because. Yep. What is it? It's like it really is like a 16 win pitcher is like, oh, yeah, he won by half of his games, you know, but that's really like if you get 15, 16, 17, 18, that's sort of like that that 16 win pitcher. And then because then 19 is really 20. Who are we kidding? Right, right. No, I like thinking about it that way. All right. So we we can put we can put some of that together. I think that's going to be a better way to think about actionable fantasy information with from this. So we can we can put together this neural net. I feel pretty confident that this is going to be the future of our wins prediction. <laughs> I I can already tell you that this is better because this has predicted negative wins exactly zero percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, <laughs> <laughs> which is already a huge success. <laughs> Just hate that. Uh, so again, to summarize here, we use PyTorch now instead of TensorFlow. Uh, easily installable on on both computers that I've tested this on. Built a pretty simple uh, neural net architecture. Um, definitely going to explore this a little bit more. Probably going to take some deep dives in the off season. And our test case for this was a model for wins. And we found what I'm going to give a big quote around reasonable accuracy. Better than we did before. So I'm going to call this a success for us. Yeah. Maybe we should do artificial neural nets more. I think that about brings us to the review session. Spencer Strider. So this is a guy that we slotted in because he's interesting right he's 23 years old uh pitching for the Braves so we're probably going to see him in the offseason or the offseason in the postseason here uh 2022 the the one of two seasons let's not even really count his 2021 because he threw exactly 38 pitches 23 years old 23 years old this year he's appeared in 31 games 20 of those have been starts he's got 11 wins five losses 2.67 2.67 ERA, like that. 0.99 really whip, like that. 202 strikeouts in 131 innings. Where did this guy come from? <laughs> Where did he get that mustache? I mean, <laughs> that's it's one of the best 23-year-old mustaches I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, it's up there. <laughs> I mean, there's what else is there to say? <laughs> he does not look like a 23-year-old. No, no, he does not. It's like... <laughs> He, I mean, well, I he harkens back to this, the Civil War. Like, he could be 23 because a 23-year-old old man in the Civil War. Like, he could go back to Atlanta then. He looks like he should have been on those 90s Braves teams. 100%. You know, like, yeah. like we got we got Maddox, we got Smoltz, we got Strider, you know. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, these guys look good together. I, the thing that astounds me, so he's completely unheralded, really. He was drafted in 2020, round four. So he's way late in the draft, and he's just absolutely exploded this year. Are these, I guess, okay, my first question is, are these sustainable numbers? Because these are crazy. I mean, these are like, you got to draft him in the top 15 pitchers next year. I don't think that, I don't think it's sustainable. There's always a guy like this who's able to have put together a year and then coast and then like make his career on can he get back to this? 
man, was he a good pickup for the people that pit, did pick him up early on. And he was one of the ones that the the ownership model was like, get him. And I didn't. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't know, I think a, a year more of like film, like the off season, all of the NLE sure. teams are going to be doing research on him. And sure. they're going to know how to hit him. And he's small for a starting pitcher because he's six foot. I sure. kind of actually believe that. I, his his numbers say six foot 195. And that, that screams to you like they didn't actually measure him. And yeah, yeah, exactly. That he's like the 23 year old guy that came out of nowhere. Also probably didn't measure him. But he's still sm- small on the small side for a starting pitcher. Yeah, he, he, he looks, I mean, he pitches like when you watch him he pitches like a smaller guy right he doesn't he doesn't like unfold like the big pitchers that you expect and he 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 kind of i mean he gets a lot of force behind this and we'll talk about his velocity in a second Mm -hmm. but he looks pretty destabilized right after he throws the pitch like the way he lands on the mound he has to put a lot into it he does but he's getting a lot out of it right i mean he's i watched a bunch of strikeouts that are hitting 101 like okay (laughs) i mean that, that's pretty good. I mean, I hear what you're saying about watching the tape, but his pitches look like they have really good placement, mm-hmm. and they're coming in at 100, <laughs> you know, anywhere. Like, so there's there's a limit to how well you can hit that, is my point. So I actually am forecasting less regression next year, I think. Okay. I think he's going to even out. I mean, there's no way that his you bet box whip, it's going to be over one. Well, I don't. Oh no no no! It's it's going to be over one, and this strikeout. I think this strikeout rate is unsustainable. I mean, two oh two on one thirty one. That's absolutely no insane. Way. No way! <laughs> like, I would love that, but no. But if but if I told you it was like one seventy five on one thirty one, what is that? That's going to be that's nine? it's going to be slightly more sustainable. Hold on, that's twelve Ks per nine. You're going under that. I mean, he's at he's all at basically fourteen right now. <laughs> but you think he's going to? Okay, so. How about 11 Ks per nine? Is he over or under that? I'm just trying to get a sense of where you have no, the line. No, he's not under 11. He's not under 11. 11.5. Well, I, I would I take the under somewhere around 11.8, 11.8 I think. I'm going to take the over, I think, for next year on 11.8. I, I just think that he has really good stuff. The only thing, like if you look at, if you look at his percentile rankings this year on Savant, uh, the only thing that's even tinged blue is his walk rate and i'm fine with that i'm fine with him walking a few guys if he's blowing the ball past most of the other guys and walks are really huge if you give up a lot of home runs which he doesn't right exactly it you know if you watch the random home runs there just weren't that many of them so you know we've been doing the the fan graphs dive after we do the stack dive uh his era is 2.67 do you think his x era is higher or lower I think lower maybe. It is. 2.4. Wow. His um his FIP, do you think is lower or higher than 2.67? I mean they have a pretty good they have a pretty good they have pretty good fielders, so I'm gonna say higher. Lower. 1.83. Lower. Whoa. And his X FIP is two point three. Uh wow. Wow. Um we're gonna have to we're gonna have to uh break that down by like month or something, because that I I mean, those numbers I don't think are sustainable for anyone over a whole season. No, and his so his really. left on base percentage is seventy four, which is Ooh. 
<laughs> which is high, but not like as ridiculously high as we've seen some from some people who are yeah. clearly gonna over overcorrect. And his his BABIP is two ninety two, so that's that should theoretically go down. Are they gonna are they gonna they're gonna start him in the playoffs, right? Not bring him in as yeah, he's gonna start. Okay, home run to five balls, six point eight. So that's gonna go up. I don't think that this home run thing is sustainable. His home run numbers are going to normalize. I would, my guess is basically everything else stays the same except for his home runs normalize, and then his ERA is going to be over three next year. But if he has a low whip, which it okay. kind of seems like he's he's getting some swings, he's keeping in the strike zone pretty well on his, with his four-seamer, which is really fast. The people are yeah. are then waiting for like the off-speed pitches, which are like unhittable. Those are the only ones that are out of the zone. How... How many innings do you think he's going to get next year? I mean, he's he's been full workload since May. They gave him one sixty five. Like uh, since since June, sorry, one sixty five. I think one sixty five is good. I mean, I think the Braves will manage him a little bit. So he he didn't pitch. He was a reliever effectively for April and May. Then they switched him to a starter, and he's gotten regular innings since then. I assume he's going to pitch all out during the playoffs for them. Yeah. And he's going to be tied next year. And 165 is probably probably a good guess. I think we might, I mean, I don't know. The Braves might rest him or something. Depends a little bit on what they're doing. The Braves have this weird thing where they've decided to play their team into shape over the course of the year. <laughs> it worked for him this year, so why would they not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of those guys had name tags on in the World Series. They're like, hey, <laughs> my name is Jorge Soler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ah. <sighs> I mean, I'm excited about this guy. I am too. I don't want to be because I'm so nervous about about guys like this. This guy has all the like markings of Julio Tehran his first year, or it was like Julio Tehran had the pedigree. Came out, boom! Wow, was he good? And then next year, everybody knew what he was doing, and his ERA jumped, jumped, and then the year after that, it jumped. And I kept on being like, "This is going to be the year we're going to get back." Still hasn't happened. That. That is a really good comp, actually. And okay, that comp it makes is, you scared, right? Is a good reason to pause. I okay, ah, boy. All right, I I could see, I could definitely see how that goes. Maybe the Braves learn some lessons. I mean, I think. I mean, this is literally the Braves, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, okay, you did all these things really well. Our hitter is no, because you're you're pitch you're tipping pitches. Here's what you need to do. Yeah, if they could do that, I think that his best case scenario is Tim Tim Linscombe. <laughs> okay it's pretty good that's pretty good and also a good comp all right i like that yeah that is his best case scenario but again tim linscomb is someone that he came on the scene he's a bit of a challenger right you know he came up mm-hmm. did look looking really really good and then goodbye mm-hmm. um how, yeah how long did tim, tim linscomb have really good numbers five years one two three four five no yeah, well, if you count his first year, do we count Tim Linscombe's first year as being good? Uh, yes. He had a four ERA, 146 innings pitched, 150 strikeouts. So let's say it was 2008, 9, 10, 11. Tim Linscombe was um, someone that you could count on in fantasy to be a positive, and then it it went. He had a 2.74 ERA in 2011. He had a 5.18 ERA in 2012, never again below 4.1. I don't like that. 
can I just be happy? Can I just be like excited about about a pitcher? <laughs> no, I I hear where you're coming from. I think these are I think these are both I think those are both good comps. I think those are both fair. If you wanted to if you um, wanted to keep Strider this year and you had a long term keeper league, um, you would expect you'd, you'd say like I'm keeping him because I'm expecting him to have Tim Linscombe career. I'm going to have five half a decade of really good numbers that I can count on for my number one number one pitcher, my one A at at worst pitcher. I'm going to get more than 12, 12 wins every year. I'm going to get 200 innings from this guy every year. We'll just say, let's let's say 200, more than 200 strikeouts every year and I'm going to have an ERA that's around 3. I think you're I yeah, no, I I mean I like that too. I I think I think you're probably paying ace price for Strider next year, right? And you if if unless you're keeping him. Well, even if you're keeping him, you're probably keeping him as your ace. And maybe I'm a little hesitant about that cuz there are 10 guys that I like an equivalent amount and I'm less worried about. Yeah, the standard deviation is far lower. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Right, cuz okay, I guess that's that's a really good point is that he's not going to be better next year <laughs> than he is this year. No. Wait, you just there, we're going to give him 30 more innings, we're saying. That I mean, we're saying his best case scenario is probably 30 to 40 more innings of the of slightly worse than what he did this year. Yeah. Best case scenario. Right, that is that is his best case scenario. Okay, I you know I was really excited before this, and now you've talked me into being nervous, and I'm sufficiently nervous. So sometime in the off season, I'll normalize. Yeah, I'm excited for him. I'd like I'd like to see him in the next. Let's see that stash for another five years. Might get a lot of looks at it in the playoffs. You never know. I mean, do, are we doing the next five years? Is his career look more like Julio Tehran or uh, Tim Linscomb? I don't know how we would possibly quantify that, but I think we should keep a lookout for him. Try and remember that those comps and see what happens. Okay. Yeah, let's we'll talk about that offline. <sighs> Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fancy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!